Due to COVID-19, this podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Tonight, we are going to review and analyze On Becoming a God in Central Florida, which won last week's face-off, and then we will be having another face-off. And we might also talk about other things that we've been watching and are excited about. We'll start off with non-spoilery stuff, and then we'll let you know when we're going to go into spoilers. Let's start off. Adam, what did you think, having picked it, what did you think of On Becoming a God in Central Florida? As I said last week, I'm a big fan of Kirsten Dunst, and I think she does some lovely work in this show. I was gripped enough to continue watching it, so I've now watched the first four episodes. So it definitely had my interest I really enjoyed it. I got about as far into it as Adam has got. Episode four, I think it's fun show. Not necessarily particularly serious, but quite an enjoyable watch. And I think Kirsten Dunst is absolutely brilliant in it. I would agree. I've not jumped in as deep yet as you two. I've only watched the first episode, but I definitely want to watch more. I was really excited by it. Obviously, Kirsten Dunst can't do any wrong. She is absolutely brilliant. And actually, her performance in this reminded me of Fargo, a similar kind of feel, actually. So if you enjoyed that, I think that would also help. Alexander Starsgard, fantastic as her husband. Fantastic seeing him perform against type. A great cast. I, I think the other one really worth mentioning is Theodore Pellerin, who plays Cody. I would hugely recommend... Damien, since you picked it, do you want to give a rough synopsis? So the series follows Kirsten Dunst's character, Crystal Stubbs, who lives in, unsurprisingly, central Florida. It follows her story after something quite momentous happens in episode one, and she ends up working at a water park called Rebel Rapids, which, given the crazy heat that we are currently suffering, uh, at the time of recording, I looked at enviously. There's nothing I'd love more than splashing about in one of those giant pools. Although, what a cesspit of germs, right? Goodness me. A good job there isn't a global pandemic going on. Adam, without giving any spoilers away, seeing as you've got to episode four, therefore you clearly really like it, sell it to any viewer that knows nothing about it. Well, it's a bit of a slow burner. I will say that you've got to give it a little bit of time to really find out where it's going. You're really selling it, Adam. No, I know. I'm getting to the selling point. It was kind of built to me as a comedy drama, and that first episode feels heavy on the drama and a little bit light on the comedy. There are definitely some funnier moments in episodes two and three. There are some really dark moments in this, and I think, actually, the thing that I could compare it most to would be Breaking Bad. It feels like this character's being set up that she is going to be breaking pyramid schemes but I, I feel like there's potential for a sort of similar trajectory to our good friend Walter White so that's my selling point is that this could be the next Breaking Bad. That's a good thing it made me think of Tom Cruise in Magnolia the whole thing of like kind of selling Wolf Wall Street how to win friends and influence people etc it's all about pyramid schemes and how you're kind of manipulated how people make money off your work which one could argue is throughout 
the capitalist system that most countries fall under. Damo, how would you sell it? And, and what shows would you liken it to to give a taste for anyone who's never heard of it? So I think those are fair comparisons. Becoming a God in Central Florida is aimed at a kind of lower working class, I guess you could say, suburban life. The Ozarks has a similar air to it as well, I'd say. But the, the thing I was going to say about the, the selling point is, Neil, you're a fan of Guinness, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Oh, and good things come to those who wait. And that is what is so brilliant about this show. I think it's just one of those things you have to give it time and it's worth the investment. Speaking of the Ozarks, Ozarks season four, late 2021. One thing I would just like to say on that, I was watching it and it reminded me a lot of Anthony Robbins. But when I was about 16, many years ago, before the phone was invented then mind the mobile there was this guy Anthony Robbins and my dad bought a massive pack of 24 of his tapes and it was basically him going on about you know think positive you can achieve what you want to achieve and he subjected me and my sister to these it worked fantastically well for him he's genuinely done really well since then and it's that whole kind of thing of visioning which also I brought up earlier the film and the project I was working on is that if you can imagine things can happen then it will come true and that's the kind of American dream goal that's being put out there for Travis and Crystal but we also now see the dark side of it which wasn't the case when I was a kid watching it I really kind of engaged with all of that I just think pyramid schemes in, in and of themselves are quite fascinating. Well, also, I worked in one during years one and two, the summer holidays when I was at drama school back in Norfolk. I worked for a company called OPM, which sounds like opium, which was all very funny in, in its own way, but actually stood for other people's money. And we would basically sell restaurant cards where if someone bought it for 20 quid, they'd get 20 quid off their next meal. However, we would get everything as a company and I'd get like 16 quid of the 20 quid, the company would get four quid. And the whole thing was building kind of sellers because then if I had people selling underneath me and my team, then I would get money from them. And then my boss would get money from me and my team. And very familiar, actually made the most amount of money that summer. Again, it was the guy at the top basically was just sitting there just making money off the rest of us talking about the guy at the top making loads of money there was a brilliant tv series in 2016 called madoff about bernie madoff one of the most famous pyramid schemes and he was played by richard dreyfus uh, i'm not sure what that is available on now but that is definitely worth a watch there's some brilliant actors in that how do you spell that makeoff madoff as in bernie madoff so it's m-a-d O double F, as in he made off with lots of money. It's nominative determinism. Okay, I'll go and look that up in the dictionary. Let's move on. So at this point, if you are so excited to see it and you don't want to spoil any surprises, then we are about to tell you at what point to listen again. We will then do our face-to-face. And just to give you a tease rather than a spoiler, the two shows that we're going to put face-to-face... Adam, what's yours? Dom. And mine is Lovecraft Country. We're going to come to them after this. Hi everyone, Damo here. If you want to avoid any spoilers, please fast forward to 14 minutes 20. Obviously, the moment that Alex Garsgård's character becomes a gator sandwich is huge. The cast in 
this show is amazing. Fedor Pellerin is really good. I think Mel Rodriguez as Ernie is also brilliant. Betts, Obi Garbo, played by Beth Ditto and uh, Ted Levine. They're just great people throughout, including the guy who runs Rebel Rapids, Stan. Usman Ali, who's an absolute legend, he's brilliant in V. Travis's death was the funniest moment of the first episode. Because we know it's coming, because, well, we... I didn't. Well, Neil didn't. I, I knew it was coming. I think it's fairly flagged early on that he's falling asleep at the wheel and he's seeing this big white moose. And then the car goes off the rails into the lake. Can we see him panicking? We don't think he's going to get out. Cody's running over. Oh, what's going on? And then he suddenly bursts out of the water. You think, oh, oh, he's not going to die. There's a twist. And then all of a sudden, this gator comes and pulls him under. And there's just red blood spurting everywhere. I mean, there's the big spoiler for you. But it was hilarious. I really enjoyed, well, I enjoyed and disliked in equal measure was some of the language used i know you know neil you were talking before about this kind of positive mental attitude and and the language that goes around that was a stinker thinker lots of these other kind of almost childlike slash imbecilic terminology that they <laughs> they just kept on repeating on mass like a convention of all of them and they kind of chant these kind of semi-meaningless phrases like build back better or, I mean, I mean, there could be a whole host of ones that we might hear all the time now. It reminded me a little bit of Eugene's language in The Walking Dead. <laughs> kind of really strange turns of phrases. No, but I, th- I think you're right to relate it to the more political phrase, particularly by both Boris and Trump, in that they're really simple. They're repeated again and again. And that's exactly what these, I guess, pyramid gurus do is they just repeat the same thing over and over that they're indoctrinating and suddenly in episode one you see that not only doing that to travis but then once travis disappears you know he, he tries to do it to crystal obviously leaving with her with the dilemma of do i take these fuckers down or do I join in and become a god? And I have suspicions as to what direction that's going to play in. Um, but I also hope that those will be inverted. Um, I was initially watching it thinking, okay, you know, loving Alexander Skarsgård doing something very different. I loved him in True Blood. But initially, it does play out like he's this laughable guy because he's being gullible and just kind of going along with things. And then Cousin Dunn's character, Crystal, is just being this dutiful wife and, you know, kind of doing a thing. And there was real stereotypes there. And I was genuinely thinking, what are we actually laughing about here? You know, who are we laughing at? So are we laughing about a stupid American middle-class stereotype? Or what is it that's actually funny about this situation? What are they poking fun out of? With the calibre of cast, I was pretty confident that that would be flipped on its head, which obviously it is. Yeah, I think it's also worth remembering that this is set in 1992 in Central Florida. So gender roles, as we now know them, it upsets me to say it. But 1992 was 29 years ago. We have to to really kind of adjust our sensibilities, I guess. Yeah, but but the thing is, we we shouldn't be expected to adopt a sense of humour of 30 years ago. Like, my, my question was, why are we expected to find this funny now? I think it's a fairly universal theme of an optimistic, naive man trying to do whatever he can I mean, it is it is the following the American dream, you know, storyline, which is ubiquitous, obviously, in American drama. What's modern is the way in which it's constantly undercut 
and we see the ways in which this blind belief in capitalism does lead to his death. It's a further comment on the fact that with capitalism, even in death, there is a way to continually keep using the system. The system literally feeds on itself constantly. I think there's a darkness in this series. We definitely delve into mental health with certain characters. You do have to tread carefully, and, and I think that the show generally so far has, has done so. I think some of the comedy does come out of that darkness in a way without being irreverent. There's definitely moments where I've laughed out loud or been shocked or confused or intrigued. So it's doing all the right things for me at the moment. I like uncomfortable laughs. I probably appreciate them more than obvious laughs. And there's shows like Succession or even Modern Family that it took me a couple of episodes to get the humour. And then once I got it, I was absolutely addicted. I spotted that George Clooney was an executive producer on this show. And I think it is kind of his sense of humour as well. I can see why he got on board with, with this. I think it's quite similar to a lot of the stuff that he's he's done and that it is a bit quirky and off the wall. If we were to give it, let's forget Rotten Tomatoes, let's think about rancid radishes. How many out of five rancid radishes would you give it? It's five, like, a good level of rant. Like, what's the... I don't know what the rating system here is. I would say that actually there's nothing good about rancid radishes. So let's say that five rancid radishes is something awful that nobody would want to have to eat. And one, well, actually not even one, zero rancid radish is like it's it's fucking. I'd rather have nothing to eat, even though it's rancid, than to have lobster caviar steak. So it's between zero and five. I'll take you time to take that in. What a system. <laughs> I love it. It's very difficult for me to give it anything other than a zero because I haven't really criticised it at all. I would give it zero rancid radishes because I think it's a watch, a must watch. Okay, I guess for me, it would probably be half a rancid radish because part of me at times would rather eat half of a rancid mouldy radish and then endure what I was watching. So now I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Damien Cooper, because he's the one choosing, and it's me and Adam who are proffering our suggestions or putting them face to face. Off. Well, thanks very much, my colleague, Neil. I will set it up. So as you know, as the format dictates, both Adam and Neil will have 30 seconds to sell their show to me and I will pick the winner, and we will all watch the first episode. So last week, as we've talked about already, I won with Becoming a God in Central Florida. Neil is going for Lovecraft Country, and Adam is going for Dom, which is not about Dominic Cummings, I have found out. Adam will be going first with Dom. So Adam, you have 30 seconds to talk about Dom starting now. A father who never stopped fighting against drugs. A son who never stopped using them. Two sides of the same coin. Victor is a cop who has fought all his life to curb cocaine trafficking. His son is a drug addict who has become one of the most wanted burglars in Rio de Janeiro. Will a father's love be enough to save his son's life? So this is the first ever Brazilian Amazon Prime original. And it um, has content warnings. Time's up. Time's up. Like sexual content. No, 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 Adam, no, no, no. Adam, 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 don't, don't do this to yourself again. Time is up. What I really enjoy, Adam, with yours, how you switch 
from announcer to Adam. I really enjoy that switch very much. So, Adam, how many episodes are we looking at? We're looking at eight episodes released in 2021. And roughly how long are each episode? That's a really good question, Damien Cooper. The first episode is it's an hour and one minute. They're long episodes. I'm not going to lie to you. They are long episodes. Who either as performers or creative team should we be excited about? Well, that's a really good question, Neil Shepek, because... I've not actually heard of any of these people, so I think you should be excited about all of them. It stars Gabrielle Leone, Flavio Tolazzani and Felipe Braganza. It's a Brazilian-made series, so there are potentially some really exciting people that you've never seen in anything else before. I'll be honest, a foreign language TV series does actually excite me a bit, so good choice, good choice. Certainly seems to have them to me. That's about all the Portuguese I know. Neil, are you ready for your 30 seconds? Your time starts now. This series is about a young black man who travels across the segregated 1950s United States in search of his missing father, learning of dark secrets plaguing a town on which famous horror writer H.P. Lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his fictional tales. We're kind of entering into kind of horror territory. And what I would say is ask me about... Okay, your time is up. Your time is up. Time is up. Thank you very much, Neil. So, how many episodes are we looking at? Ten. What are the lengths of those episodes? Each episode, similar to Adam's offer, um, each episode is between 53 and 68 minutes. Has it won any awards? Well, funnily enough... Yes, it has. Been nominated for a whole load, fucking load of Emmy nominations. So it's been nominated for Outstanding Drama Series in the Emmys, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. So that's one of the reasons why I'm really interested in it, because obviously the Emmy nominations came out very recently and... I think that's a very good reason to watch. I think that says a lot about the quality of performance we're going to see within this. So it has won a few awards worth talking about. So the Critics' Choice Television Award, which is fairly well respected in the States, Michael K. Williams has won the award for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series of Omar from The Wire fame. Uh, Michael K. Williams is Amazing as Omar. Chalky White in the Boardwalk Empire. He's very good in that as well. Motherfucker. I guess my question is, is it a little bit scary? <laughs> well, I don't know because I haven't watched it. What I do know is that it is based on a town that a horror writer based his stories on. And also, apparently, stuff is found there. There is an element of horror there. Like with a foreign language series, I think we're also tipping our dough into um, new waters in looking at horror of this kind. It's not going to be the same as Walking Dead. I was just going to say that um, I recently saw Jonathan Majors in an episode of something. I'm not going to say what, but he was superb and he's in Lovecraft Country. So I'm just looking down the cast list on Wikipedia, and there are so many impressive actors, whether they be recurring guests or main. This is really tricky for me because both of them are worthy winners. They both excite me very much. I think this time, although it's against, as I 
really am not a fan of scary things being a massive wimp. I'm going to go for Lovecraft Country this time. So Neil wins, but I'm, I, I really want to watch Dom as well. The thing that put me off The Walking Dead is that I'm I'm really not interested in zombies at all. I think they're either really scary or they're completely unbelievable. And I have no desire to scare myself and I have no desire to watch anything that's unbelievable. Yeah, I watched Walking Dead and obviously it's not about the zombies. It's about the relationships, about the politics, both personal and social. And I loved it. So I'm prepared to give it a go. I would also say that I am very interested in Dom having visited Rio myself and enjoyed watching City of God, City of Men. I looked through the Emmys list earlier this week and thought I'd have a look at those shows that I hadn't seen yet and this one popped up and it was going to be my face-to-face-off choice but then Neil picked it first so I thought I'd better pick something else. So I'm really, really happy that this is one. Very much looking forward to watching it this week. So make sure you also... Give Lovecraft Country a watch and join us and let us know what you think. So speaking of the Emmys, as we were shortly shortly before a while ago, the nominations for the Emmys came out this week. It's very, very exciting. I'm going to run through the shows that have the most nominations, first of all, and get a little bit of reaction from the chaps. So leading the way with 24 nominations each is The Crown and The Mandalorian. With 23 was WandaVision. Then with 21, it's The Handmaid's Tale and Saturday Night Live. With 20, it's Ted Lasso. And then with 18, it's Lovecraft Country, our face-to-face-off winner. And The Queen's Gambit, another show we've talked about before. And then finally with 16, it's The Mayor of Easttown. So there's quite a few of those shows that we've, we've mentioned before. In fact, I'm pretty sure other than Saturday Night Live and maybe Ted Lasso, we've probably mentioned all of those at some point on the podcast, right? It's funny you should mention Ted Lasso, Adam, because I started watching that this week and is one of the things that I'm going to be talking about when we discuss shows that we're currently watching. There's no real surprises there, are there, the leading shows for nominations, although I haven't watched much of The Crown or The Mandalorian, but I know that they are two very well-made and very popular shows. The Mandalorian is fantastic. I, I didn't watch all of The Crown. I, I sort of dipped in and out as Catherine was watching it and she's she sped ahead so I couldn't keep up with her on that one. But yeah, The Mandalorian is, is a fantastic show and definitely worth worth a watch. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed WandaVision as well. I know that's one that you haven't seen, Damo. I have. Um, I watched all of it. WandaVision? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. You never mentioned it? I think I did. Okay. You two should communicate more often. Brilliant, wasn't it? It was great, WandaVision. I thought it was really great. <laughs> and so what I did like is I enjoyed how it played with, you know, something that we were talking about with Becoming a God in Central Florida. What I really liked in the first few episodes was how it played with TV tropes within sitcoms of that particular decade. I think once we kind of came out of that and it stopped being meta, I enjoyed it less. But- I think I remember now, I remember when you said tropes before that I, I must have fallen asleep and that's why I couldn't remember you. <laughs> The Queen's Gambit is another show that I've really enjoyed this year. Thoroughly enjoyed that show. And and Damo, you've talked about Mayor of East Town before as well, haven't you, right? Yeah, that's right. I watched a couple episodes, but everyone I know who stuck to the end has raved about it. So I will definitely go back to do it now that the football is off. Do you want to talk about Ted Lasso now? Why not? It seems like a good time to do it. I think it's a great show. It's got, I know people say this a lot about shows, but it genuinely does have a lot of heart. 
It's about an American football coach coming to London, England to become the coach of AFC Richmond, that famous Premier League team. And it is really enjoyable. I thought, well, let me just have a quick watch of this so I can say I've watched it for the show and immediately went through to, I think, just about a couple of minutes into episode four. I'm giving it a big recommendation. One of the things that made me give it a watch was season two just premiered and on the red carpet, the actor who plays Ted was wearing a T-shirt saying Jaden, Bukayo and Marcus in support of the three England players who missed their penalties and then suffered racist abuse. So that in itself was enough for me to think, yeah, I need to give this show a watch and I'm glad that I did. Great. I definitely would like to check out Ted Lasso at some point. Neil, have you got any thoughts of that list of the most nominated shows? Yeah, absolutely. It's only Ted Lasso and Mayor of East Town that I haven't seen. Damo has given uh, me excitement, as he often does, about watching Ted Lasso and Mayor of East Town. Actually, I think that was Damo as well. But I've also, my parents have said Mayor of East Town is extremely good, but they're the only two out of all of those. I guess to, well, actually, I'll build up to them. I loved The Queen's Gambit. I absolutely binged it within probably about two nights. I thought performances were fantastic. I thought they made what otherwise could have been quite boring, um, I guess. You know, the the rise of a chess player and, and the mental journey that she takes. I, I thought that was amazing. So I think it's fantastic they've had so much. Lovecraft Country, well, it was the reason I picked it. So I haven't seen it, but one of the reasons was how much it has been nominated in the Emmys. As I say, Ted Lasso, I've not seen Handmaid's Tale, the first series is absolutely fantastic. Second less so, I've not even got to the third. So assuming it's the third series that's up for nomination and not the first series, um, one can only assume that, then that's interesting. That even makes me think maybe I should follow that through. Saturday Night Live, I mean, the, the amount of classics and the amount of fun from that, I, I'm very happy that it's got lots of nominations and watch it regularly. One Division. Adam, you've recommended it loads. I can't wait to actually watch it. I haven't watched it. I actually invested in a new TV this weekend because my old one, the screen had gone, but I could hear everything anyway. Regardless of my choice by a new TV, I now have it. And I have Disney Plus on it, but only if I pay for it. I need to find a friend who has a Disney Plus account. But anyway, yeah, I would like to watch that. Of course, I'm not going to watch it in illegal circumstances. But the top two that are drawing with 24, The Crown and The Mandalorian, my God, I'm not sure that I could pick between the two of them. I think The Crown is absolutely amazing. I think not only is there fantastic performances, um, but it also covers lots of parts of Britain's and also actually the globe's history over the period of the whole thing. Obviously, they're looking at season four, the most recent one, which I thought was amazing, particularly now it's coming more into people's memories. So things like Diana, etc. you know, these are things that people are like today more of those have connections with that or at least have memories of that whereas some of the early stuff in the crown i wouldn't have been alive at that time but no find that really interesting really well acted really well done happy to throw shade on the monarchy and the institution 
but also to show the humanity and the vulnerability of mostly all of those, but certainly certain of those characters. But The Mandalorian, honestly, is one of the favourite things of mine to have watched in the last couple of years. It's amazing, well done, fantastic performances, fantastic direction. If you're a Star Wars fan, which I am, I can't recommend that enough. So based on those number of recommendations, for me, I will be cheering on The Mandalorian for every single one of them. Well, I just wanted to pick up on a few of the others uh, that have been nominated in, in just a few of the categories. So we'll start with the series. Probably won't get much further than that because I know we've got a lot of other stuff to cover. Uh, but the outstanding drama series, in addition to The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Lovecraft Country and The Mandalorian that we've already talked about, the other four shows nominated in that category are The Boys. Again, something we've talked about and raved about in, um, on the podcast. Uh, Bridgerton, something I've only seen like half an episode for and didn't really float my boat. Pose, which I've never seen before. And This Is Us, which I think I might have seen some of before an early season of it. I can't really remember. Any thoughts about those guys? I must say Pose is also not only nominated for best, I think it's drama, but also appears in pretty much most of the acting categories, whether supporting main, male, female, whatever. I've seen the first probably three, four episodes of Pose. It's really well acted. Maybe the world of Pose, as in basically drag artists and transsexuals, might not be to everyone's taste, but the acting is absolutely amazing. And like with Russell T. Davis with its sin, which we've talked about before, and other stuff, you know, he absolutely insists and same repose. Every actor is of the sexual identification that the character has. So if you see someone who's transsexual, you see someone who's straight, you see someone who's gay, see someone who's bi, they're casting just like with It's Sin that Russell T. Davies has done. It's really powerful, to be honest. I think the only reason why I didn't get further than episode three of series one was because all of a sudden a friend of mine decided to do a podcast and I had lots of other stuff on my plate. Sorry about that. Other things, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to the Kaminsky Method we've talked about. Gets a nom for Outstanding Comedy Series, along with Ted Lasso. Outstanding Limited Series, I May Destroy You, something we've, we've talked a lot about on the podcast. Underground Railroad, which is not one that I've seen. That's also up for Outstanding Limited Series. I mean, some of the actors in these nominations are just ridiculous. Michael Douglas, William H. Macy, Alison Janney, so many brilliant actors nominated for stuff, which is really, obviously really good to see. I mean, when you look at the supporting actor in a limited series or movie, and you've got Paul Bettany, Hugh Grant, Ewan McGregor, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Leslie Odom Jr. I mean, that's just crazy time. How do you like pick from those amazing, amazing people? Just going back on Underground Railroad, that is on Prime and is on my list. I've heard nothing but great things about it. To be honest, Adam, I'm really disappointed that we're not doing a special on the Emmys. I mean, that makes me feel really sad. Why aren't we doing that? Tell me. I don't know. I mean, I put it on the WhatsApp. Did you see that the Emmys noms have come out? And was there any reaction to that message that I posted? No, there wasn't. So, you know, when are the shows? Do we know when the awards are being announced? Where Google. Siri? How do I activate Siri on my phone? Oh, man, we're old. Siri! I'm just shouting at my phone. It's not... <laughs>
What do I press? What do I press? Sound like Grandpa Seriously? Simpson shouting at clouds. <laughs> it should be easier than this, right? Siri? Well, you're not doing anything, Damo. I'm just about to show my credentials as the only millennial out of this, out of this bunch. Okay, Google. When are the Emmy Awards? 2021. She's ignoring you, Damo. 1am British summertime. So that was, because I keep my phone on silent whilst recording, the 21st of September is what was last year's bloody hell. Yeah, bugger. <laughs> 19th of September. 19th of September, 2021. All right, well, let's schedule that in because we'll have, we'll be into The Walking Dead by then, but we could perhaps do an Emmy special. You've made my night. There we go. And I was hinting at that in my WhatsApp message. I know I didn't explicitly say it, but I think it's a good show. We'll talk about what that means for us and our watching behaviour over the next two months. But I know we've got other stuff that people wanted to talk about. There was some exciting news on the Radio Times website, something, Damo, I think you'll find particularly of interest. The one and only Ace Batty was in a... We're not allowed to say anything. Shock reveal about the line of duty. He was specifically asked, is there going to be another season of the line of duty? And he said, I'm not allowed to say, we don't know. Reading to that what you will. Not such a cool response, I guess, in that he did say, we're not allowed to say, or I'm not allowed to say, which does hint that there might well be one. But then he followed that up at the end with, we don't know. So anyway, that was Ace Batty in his little bit of Radio Times news this week. I absolutely love the Batty man. I am such a fan of his. I think given the figures they got per week, per episode, I think it was absolutely ridiculous. I think it's within 24 hours of it going, airing on TV. They were getting like seven, eight million views. There is no way they are not doing another series. Yeah, and Jed has said there'll be another series as long as it's commissioned. So I, I honestly don't doubt. My big worry is, is that they don't better what they've done so far. There was a lot of disappointments with the finale to the whole H question. So as long as they come up with something good, that excites me. Speaking of people that we really love, another bit of news is that many young boys' wet dream, Anne Robinson, is now hosting Countdown. First female presenter of Countdown. I'm, I'm sorry, Wet Dreams? I mean, come on, The Weakest Link. She was a pin-up at that point. Yeah. Was well, I don't know about pin but I was definitely sweating. I mean, lads mags had her all over them. She was that dominatrix pin-up, Anne Robinson, back in The Weakest Link heyday. I think this must be a generational thing between me and you two. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the other thing I'm excited about is the fact that Ozarks season four is coming towards the end of this year. Again, it's another one we don't have a release date for. I haven't had a chance this week to update my release date calendar, but I'm going to do that and I'll post it up on the socials fairly soon. I Just an update on my watching this week. I am about 20 minutes away from finishing The Watch on BBC iPlayer. I have seen that through. It's been a really enjoyable romp. As you would expect from anything that's based on a book, there's so many different elements of the story that are kind of paying off in the final two episodes. I think the performances have been really strong. Rich Storm has done a brilliant job, as have everybody else in the cast. So yeah, I've really enjoyed the watch and I'm, I'm glad I got the chance to, to watch the watch. Appreciate it's not for the hardcore fans of the Pratchett. I also have finished Loki because the finale was out last week 
And it was amazing. It delivered everything we wanted it to deliver. I can't really talk about it, but it just sets up at least three upcoming movies and one other TV show. There's a whole loads of stuff that's going to come out from Loki. And they made the announcement that there would be a Loki season two, which they didn't do with WandaVision or with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So very excited that Loki will have a second season at some point. Yeah, I can't wait. I've watched the first two episodes of Loki. I really want to watch more. I joined the Loki gang. I watched the first episode and sorry, chaps. Unsurprisingly, it wasn't for me, but I'm not, as we said previously, I'm just not that immersed in the world, shall we say. But I can understand why people who are fans of it would enjoy it. It just wasn't quite for me, but I thought I should at least give it a try. But it's a very different version of Marvel. It's not a typical Marvel story. It, it looks a thing... Well, I'm, I'm just basing this on the first two episodes. I uh, think it's a tough first episode because it has to bridge... Loki was involved in so many of those movies and the sort of his backstory. You kind of have to have a basic understanding of his backstory in order to... Yeah appreciate his story going forwards so i think that first episode was always going to be really tricky it's probably my least favorite episode of the whole series because it had to do that it had to do that bridging thing of like this is where this character's been and this is the situation it's in now and then you know let's see where it goes so i totally appreciate that i think of all of the marvel tv shows loki was always going to be the hardest one to get into for those that haven't sort of obsessively watched and rewatched the movies. <laughs> Speaking of the movies, I watched The Black Widow. Okay, I- what do you think? Because uh, I haven't yet, but a friend of mine who is a massive Marvel fan was disappointed. No, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Right. Scarlett Johansson can do no wrong. Sporting Castle did really well. It's funny. There's lots of humour in there. Lots of action. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had, a, had some heart. There's nothing particularly groundbreaking about it. and not, I don't think it's ever going to have the same impact as something like Black Panther did, but I thought it was a really good movie. I've also been catching up with The Watch. I've now got two episodes, it's either four or five, and I am still enjoying it. I know, Damo, you've struck it off the list, but I am enjoying it. And quite clearly, from what Adam just said, it gets better. You've been watching anything else, Damo? Yeah, so I've actually watched loads for once. So I will very quickly run through this because I know we're already running long. As well as watching Loki, I watched El Cid, which is on Amazon Prime. The second series or part two of the first series has recently been released. I kind of enjoyed the first one. The second series is more of the same. Jaime Lorente plays the eponymous El Cid. You may recognise him as Denver. Uh, from Money Heist, or as they would say, Denver. He's very good. I'd say it is very much a Spanish style of performance. I wouldn't say telenovela, but I wouldn't say far off in the style of acting. Is this a remake of the old El Cid TV show? I haven't seen the old TV show, but it's obviously a huge cultural touchstone in Spanish history. It's an Amazon Prime original, I believe. And they have put a lot of money into it. I also watched another Spanish show on Prime called La Peste, which which translates as The Plague. We're about three episodes into that, and that's to do with the bubonic plague, I believe, in Seville. And that's 
quite interesting. I think I'm going to go back to it when I have a bit more time. I finally watched more of the first show I brought to the face-to-face called Snowfall, which is available on iPlayer and other sites. And I think that's very good. It's enjoyable. It's about 1980s cocaine cowboys in the US. Ted Lasso, I touched on previously, a must-watch. I watched the first episode of the new Power Book 3 series, Raising Canaan. For those who watched Power, yeah, Power Book 3 is really good. Enjoying it so far. I think the casting's great. I think they've managed to find someone who could very much be what 50 Cent looked like when he was a young teen. And the final thing I watched was Luca on Disney+. Plus. Now, I found it enjoyable. It's by no means one of the Pixar classics, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And I think it's worth a watch. Maybe if you haven't seen other Pixar films, watch those first. But I don't think it's uh, wasted time giving it a little view. I did have another go at getting the kids to watch Luca with me, but they weren't having it. So I don't know what I've got to do. I think Phoebe's seen it already or seen some of it and it's not interested. But yeah, El Cid was a show back in the early 90s, 1990 to 1992, with Alfred Molina in it. I'm assuming this has nothing to do with this current Amazon Prime show. It was an ITV crime drama comedy. Yeah, it's not like that. It's a very serious, like I said, bordering on telenovela Spanish drama. Great. Well, if you were a fan of El Cid back in the 1990s, then um, let us know. <laughs> yeah, if all you uh, Gen X and boomers want to get in contact, I don't think many from my generation, the millennials, would have caught it. <laughs> we were too busy watching the Teenage Ninja. Ninja? My God. Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In terms of things to look forward to, I know I mentioned I'd watched Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. I'm looking forward to, They've. Re- I think they've set a release date now for September for Power Book 4 Force, um, starring Tommy Egan, uh, fantastic actor Joseph Sikora, who you would recognise from the latest series of Ozarks and many other great things. So that should be good fun. Fans of Vikings, the spin-off series Viking Valhalla, they're releasing more and more information about it as we get closer and closer to its first series release on Netflix. So I am frantically scouring the internet to see if there's any new news on that i will just add that it's now only 34 days at the time of recording until the new season of the walking dead so if you did start watching the first 10 seasons back when i told you to a couple of weeks ago um you should now really be sort of into season four somewhere getting into some really cracking stuff probably met bob and and tyrese and loads of other characters so i hope you're enjoying that um if you haven't started yet 10 seasons in 34 days that's quite a tall order but one season every three days it's doable still i think three and a half days give yourself so get on it because we'll be talking about the walking dead come the 22nd of august how excited are we for that chaps sorry did you say something adam <laughs> did you not hear any of that no i'm joking yeah of course i'm excited about it i cannot wait the walking dead i mean it's the final series and one can only hope that they put everything into it like you know finish off on a high i mean the walking dead has been up and down throughout anyway so yeah i i I honestly cannot wait 
I also am looking forward to the last series of TWD. Are you counting down the days? I wouldn't necessarily say uh, I'm that excited about it, but I am excited about it. When it gets to like the last 20 days, I think there'll be a daily countdown on the WhatsApp group. Yeah, it sounds to me like Damo is as excited for a date night after going out with a girl for like three or four years as opposed to that kind of first or second date. (laughs) Are you you saying that The Walking Dead has become routine? Well, to be honest, it kind of has. Well, nonetheless, before then, we will be talking about our predictions as to who will survive and and well, actually, The Walking Dead's been going almost like the similar length to my to my marriage so far. So <laughs> does that mean that my marriage is nearly over? Oh, is she, she as large a fan as you are, Adam? She was a pretty big fan. For the first five, six seasons, she watched along with me. Okay. Um, so The Walking Dead has almost been an excuse not to actually spend quality time with each other, just not have to speak or discuss anything meaningful. I mean, I do. I tend to watch it when she's not around. So um, on that says own. everything. <laughs> I wondered if it was the ultimate co-watch. Well, I, I, she, I need her to get caught up on the last three or four seasons. I'm not sure she's going to do that. And do you watch things premature then, Adam? <laughs> what? <laughs> it happens to all of us. All right. There's no. There's no shame in it. Well. I think we lived up to expectation for this episode to be the greatest thing, even more so than the recent Euro finals. So loads of suggestions of things to watch. Do let us know if you watched any and what you think. And tell us if there's anything we haven't already mentioned that you think we ought to watch and you want to hear our thoughts on. Do you think that On Becoming a God in Central Florida was the right choice? Have you watched it? Let us know. Also, did Damo make the right choice of Lovecraft Country over Dom? If you've seen either, don't spoil it for any of us, but send us your opinions. And then finally, what's your thoughts on the Emmys? Because I suspect we're now going to do a special episode on it. So share all that. We'll give you a shout out when we record it. And then finally, our next face-to-face so I'm going to be judging between Damo and Adam, and maybe you might want to give Damo and Adam some suggestions as to what they should face off against face to face. So where can you contact us, guys? I'm so glad you asked that, Neil, because you can find us at TVDNA on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook if you put in the search bar TV space DNA. Make sure you like, listen and follow slash subscribe, whatever the social media asks you to do. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your pods. So make sure that you subscribe. Thanks to Adam's stellar work. We are on Apple Podcasts, as well as all your other favourite hotspots. Yeah, give us a rate or a review on Apple Podcasts. That would really help us. And for any longer form communication, tvdnapod at gmail.com. How's about this? You too can be a TV binger ninja. Teenage Mutant Binger Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> that's what gave me the idea. <laughs> Don't be a winger, be a TV binger. So, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from these two. Bye!
Bye. Goodbye. Oh, Dom. I need to double check that. It's not about Dominic Cummings, is it? Could you imagine? I, yeah. What I have to say is more important than what Damien has to say. Come on. Come on. I don't care about writing credits. Sorry, writers. Okay. How many rancid radishes are you prepared to eat? Or would you rather not eat for the sake of this film? I don't know why I'm going with this. So had it been out of 10, what would would you have given it a quarter rancid radish? Or... No, I'd have given it one. Okay, fine. That's double, what d- d- double five is 10, double half is one. The first two or three times we did this, it was a face-off. Pretty consistently, we called it a face-off. And then last week, Damien decided it was a face-to-face. And now that seems to be the thing we're flipping between a face-to-face and a face-off. So I think whether we need to have a face-to-face-off about the name of it. Ride the wave, Adam. You know, just, you know, be free. Go 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 with life. If you're offered lemons, make lemon tarts. Okay. If you're offered rancid radishes, make a scoring system. Absolutely.